Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. Today I have my producer with me, Todd Fisher, and today we're going to be talking about Easter. So welcome, Todd. Hey, Amber, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I haven't been on in a, in a little while. It seems like we've been kind of stockpiling episodes and, and uh, you've had guests and things, so I haven't gotten to talk. Yeah, so this will be a great opportunity for us to kind of recap and learn about some uh, awesome history in Easter and just have a great discussion all over. It's an Easter surprise for me. Oh, I love it. It's like in a little Easter egg. I love that. <laughs> Easter eggs. We're going to get into that. <laughs> oh, yes. All, all the history and stuff. Oh, it's going to be great. If you're here to hear stories about the Easter bunny and Easter eggs, well, you're in for a surprise. <laughs> we're not going to be talking about that. Except no. maybe how awful it is, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, Todd is the historian here in a sense. And so we're going to tie it all in with history and stuff. And I think overall, it'll be a great podcast. And you're going to tell everyone how to practice Easter. Oh, yes. 100%. Really what it's about. You're going to tell everyone really what it's about. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell everyone the fake side of it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how everything came to be secularized, right? <laughs> right, right. It's actually a really interesting story, you know, because I, I think for me, like, I, I, I never really knew kind of with the origin of the Easter bunny or Santa Claus or any of this, like this stuff was just kind of hallmark to me in mm-hmm. a way. And it's like, well, when did, when did this stuff start? Like, when were the first, when were the first malls where you got your picture taken with Santa and when did chocolate Easter eggs become a thing? Like who thought of that? Like, how long has this been around? I thought it was more of a recent development right? in terms of maybe in the last hundred years or 200 years for Santa Claus or something, but no, it's actually further back than that. And I'm going to get into a little bit of that with some trivia for people as we get into this. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Actually, fun fact. Did you know that before Santa Claus was owned by Coca-Cola, his color was actually green. His suit was green and so was everything else. I think I remember seeing a green suited Santa Claus before. Yeah. I don't know where I would have seen it. It's very rare, but they existed. And then Coca-Cola bought Santa Claus and now he's worn red ever since. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It is. The the power of media and 
stuff. <laughs> well, well, this this uh, this episode comes out this Friday, right? This Friday, the twenty sixth. So, yeah, so we're recording on a Monday. This is the last podcast we have out before Easter. Yes. So we wanted to cover a lot of stuff here. So what we're we're gonna have what between Palm Sunday and Easter, we'll be covering. This is going to cover all that, hopefully, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to go into a little bit of stuff leading up to Easter. Um, just like kind of just the mini details that I feel like a lot of people forget, especially during Holy Week. Is Easter a big deal for you and your family? Um, you know, it usually is. We usually go to mass and then we go out for brunch. Um, it's usually a very family oriented uh, holiday, liturgical holiday for us. Definitely. A lot of people get together with their families and they cook up food and have little reunion stuff like that. Do you do anything like that in your house? Do you have no. relatives over or do cooking? Do you cook a ham? <laughs> I love ham. I absolutely love ham. Usually we would go to a buffet, but the buffets closed down this year. They remodeled it into a char house. So <laughs> I don't think that'll work. We might make something at home. Um, but no, usually we don't have family over. Our family's kind of scattered all throughout the U.S. And so um, it's difficult too. And my sister moved out to Washington State. And so she's not in the area anymore either. So we usually just try to keep it um, small. And then if we want friends over or something of that nature, we try to have friends over. Ah, fun, fun. Yeah, it's an exciting thing. But if you're ready, Todd, let's just jump in. Yeah, go ahead. Let's get us started. All right. I'm excited. Okay, so I wanted to first touch on this. When I first came back into my faith about a year ago, um, there's one thing actually that's always bothered me, and that is the secularization, secularization, <laughs> I can totally speak today, of our Catholic holidays and feast days. For example, Many people today, uh, Christmas, you know, isn't about Christ. It isn't about God giving us his only son. It isn't about the sacrifices Mary and Joseph made in accordance with God's will. It isn't about family and it isn't about loving one another. And for many people now, Christmas is the time to buy expensive gifts or get expensive gifts. It's a time to watch cute Hallmark movies, which are actually pretty trashy nowadays, and listen to Santa Baby for the fifth time on the radio, which is my least favorite Christmas song. So that's kind of, you know, a little example. So what about Easter? Well, Easter is after the 40 days of Lent, and it marks the end of Holy Week and the day that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. So it's a time of celebration, going to Mass as a family, specifically, or by yourself if you're unable to, and it's a day of thankfulness. However, now many people's Easter's are for, you know, egg hunts, the Easter bunny, candy, and pastel-colored clothing, which has honestly never really been a favorite of mine. I prefer the more neutral, earthy colors. Now, am I saying that it's all bad, like the Easter bunny, candy, pastel colors? Is all of that bad? Or is receiving gifts on Christmas bad? Is it bad for toddlers to chase after brightly colored eggs hidden in the grass? Is it bad for children to believe in Santa or the Easter Bunny? 
The last one I'm still deciding on, I want my kids to definitely learn about St. Nicholas, but I'm kind of unsure about the Easter Bunny at this point. <laughs> Though when I was small, my parents let me believe in the Easter Bunny, and then I turned like seven or eight, and I was totally over it, and I was just like, just give me the candy. <laughs> um, but no, I don't think any of those things are inherently bad. However, when people take Christ out of Christmas and the resurrection out of Easter, I start having issues. Of course, there are other days the world have taken and twisted into its own holiday, like uh, St. Patrick's Day, which we just celebrated recently. And before that, we had St. Valentine's Day. But how can we reclaim our Catholic holidays? Well, honestly, to completely reclaim our holidays and have people practice them properly, we would need a mass conversion of almost the entire world. But you can still set the example. So... Let's dive into Easter and how we should celebrate it. So before you get into that, mm -hmm. how we celebrate it, I want to tell everyone a little bit about the origin of the Easter bunny, because Absolutely. I think this is actually kind of really cool. Um, so, you know, I think the Easter bunny is really, it's perhaps the biggest commercial symbol of Easter. And there's really no correlation between the secular symbols and the Christian holiday. Um, the first known mention of the bunny tradition appears in 15th century German literature, right? So this is a, oh. the Easter bunny is actually, um, a product of literature, but the bunny also has its roots in pre 13th century pagan traditions. Eesh. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't know this. I didn't know that the bunny was also a pagan symbol. Like Peter so, Cottontail. <laughs> So bunnies, eggs, Easter gifts, um, yellow chicks and gardening hats, you know, all these stem from pagan roots. There's all kinds of things that, um, that are very pagan when it comes to this kind of um, imagery. But what's interesting is they were incorporated into the celebration of Easter separately from the Christian tradition of honoring the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So here's what's really interesting about kind of the pagan end of this. Some believe the rabbits were associated with a Teutonic deity named Estra, the goddess of spring and fertility. And also the rabbit was a symbol of that because of the especially high reproduction rate. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you guys haven't watched Zootopia, um, they make constant hints to that. <laughs> eggs and especially the hatching of eggs is another symbol of spring with roots in pagan traditions. So that's kind of the origin behind, um, you know, rabbits and eggs and bunnies and all these things and all that imagery that went with, uh, with pagan worship. Um, that's really interesting also because I always wondered the connection between bunny rabbits and eggs. I'm like, aren't rabbits mammals? I mean, I have a rabbit myself, so I'm just like, oh, what's the connection? So that actually kind of helps out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, what I was going to go on with was how this kind of integrated with Roman Catholicism, which I think is really interesting. So what you had was you had a lot of these Germanic pagan spring traditions. Um, and then there was kind of the Christian resurrection tradition. And these were melded together as Roman Catholicism became the dominant religion throughout Europe around the 15th century. So what happened was Catholicism started to take over all of these regional little pagan religions and spiritualities that were out there. 
And what happened was a lot of local traditions started to merge into these things. So Catholicism absorbed it and integrated it in a way. And here's the really interesting part. Um, the Easter Bunny tradition in America came here with the first German settlers of Pennsylvania arriving in America around the 1700s. So wow. that's what's really, so that's how it came over. So all of that stuff that was happening, how it all developed, came over and settled in Pennsylvania. So we have kind of the root of the Easter Bunny tradition evolving out of Pennsylvania in the 1700s and just sort of took over as a dominant tradition across America. So it is technically part of Roman Catholicism as imagery. It just came from a really poor source, I think. And um, German children particularly, kind of like there's the tradition of leaving cookies out for Santa. German children would often leave carrots out hoping that the Easter money would leave them an extra special candy. So that was kind of the origin of what, you know, parents told their kids to do. So that's kind of a lot of interesting folklore and a lot of really interesting backstory of how the Easter Bunny came to be. So from, to, I think today, from a church perspective, Easter Bunny, eggs, all this stuff, probably not claiming it anymore, but at a certain point, it really was kind of synonymous with one another. That's really cool. And I'm just saying though, like, early depictions of the Easter bunny and people who used to dress up in them and things. Oh my gosh. It's horrifying. It is so scary. Have you ever seen those photos? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, thank you. If I was a child, I would have been like, yeet the Easter bunny. <laughs> my feeling is always the, the source. And that's what, you know, always bothers me about things. And that the Easter bunny would technically come from a pagan source is the part that irritates me more than anything, mm. you know, kind of, associating symbols with deities you know there's for me i find a lot of in my my interests out there people mistaking angels for things the fairy faith of celtic scotland right. you know bunny imagery being deities there was a whole lot of this stuff that was going on for a long time and i find that level of mythology very interesting in how it relates to religion but um but that's the source. So you heard it right there. So now we know how the Easter bunny came to America. That's great. Now I, and I will throw out my rabbit. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> throw out that pagan rabbit. <laughs> he's so cute and he's so fluffy. I love him. Uh, oh, my poor rabbit. <laughs> now people are going to associate rabbits. The, with well, the rabbit's great for being a beautiful, uh, beautiful symbol of nature. It just should yeah. be the symbol of a Catholic holiday, you know? Oh, 100%. So throw out all your rabbit ears and rabbit things. I'm just kidding. No, I think also in a sense, um, nowadays, we can really attribute the the bunnies to being like God's creation. And so obviously, we don't worship them as deities, you know, that would be stupid. Right. And so it's one it's of those the cats there where, for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have three of those. Um, but it's like now we can really like appreciate these things, even if they had pagan roots. It's like, ooh. but we can really appreciate them as like God's creation because God created the bunny rabbit. I, but yeah, pagan so. is all, always a weird word to kind of throw around in spirituality, because I think a lot of people immediately go to, oh, witchcraft and witches yeah. covens and things like that. But there were a lot of people that just, you know, were like poor, uneducated farmers that believed mm. in, you know, a tree bunny fairy. Bunny and, and that there was, you know, a God for rain and like a lot of things like that, like in, you know, for us 
to label things pagan in Europe would be like Europeans labeling Native American Indians as pagan. Mm. You know, it's really yeah, kind of the that. same kind of thing. No, for sure. And I know for a fact that it's like, um, labels are different and certain words mean different things according to different areas. Like you could say one thing in Illinois and it could mean a completely different thing in Kentucky. Um, so I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on and you can, um, you can tell everyone how we practice this. Tell us exactly what Easter is and how to practice. Yeah, so Easter is the most important holiday we have as Christians because it represents the, the fulfillment sorry, of God's promise to mankind. Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as I mentioned earlier, and he resurrected from the dead after the third day of his crucifixion. Now, there are important liturgical days leading up to Easter. First, we have Palm Sunday, and this falls on March 28th this year. And then we have um, Palm Sunday starting the beginning of Holy Week, which is super important. And I'm going to be making a lot of trips to my church during Holy Week because we have a mass almost every single day. So Holy Week commemorates Christ's last week of his life on earth and his arrival in Jerusalem. So that's what Palm Sunday is. That's Jesus's arrival in Jerusalem. Next we have Holy Thursday, which is on April 1st this year. So it's on April Fool's Day. No playing jokes in church, kids. <laughs> Wait till it's outside. Um, Holy Thursday, it, com it commemorates the Last Supper where Jesus instituted the priesthood by washing the feet of all 12 of his apostles and making them his first priests. He also instituted the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist when breaking bread with his apostles. Okay, so then right after Holy Thursday, we have Good Friday, and this is on April 2nd, so the day after Holy Thursday. So Good Friday comm commemorates the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on Calvary. So this is a day where we fast and abstain from meat and reflect on the pain and suffering that Jesus, Jesus experienced for our sins. Uh, we go through the meditation of the Stations of the Cross, and then we attend Mass as well. And then after that, we have Easter Vigil. And then Easter is obviously next, but I will explain those in a moment. So Easter marks the end of Lent and the end of Holy Week. And then the Easter season, it lasts for seven weeks and ends on Pentecost, just for those that did not know that. So Easter Vigil is also sometimes called Holy Saturday Night, which you'll find it rarely referred to as that, but um, it's mainly called Easter Vigil. And this is where you would attend mass between the sunset of Holy Saturday and the sunrise of Easter morning. That's traditional. Um, this is a really good time to reflect on Mary Magdalene, who discovered that the tomb was empty. Um, and usually many baptized children receive their sacrament of confession during the Easter vigil and people who have gone through RCIA are also commonly accepted into the Catholic church on Easter vigil. So it's a really important time full of celebration and anticipation. And then finally we have Easter Sunday. For many Catholics, we begin Easter Sunday by attending the Easter vigil mass. 
So as stated above, it's the most important liturgical holiday we have and as Christian, uh, as Christians. And all other liturgical feast days are dependent upon Easter for scheduling. So many feast days are actually movable and Easter sets the date for them. So how do we celebrate Easter as Catholics? Because we know that it's been secularized and it's been, you know, kind of a, I don't know, I feel like a lot of traditions, especially nowadays are kind of bland. I don't know how to explain that, but to me, they, they just have no real, I guess, roots in Easter. They're kind of like, oh, well, let's go do this and let's go do that. But then they completely forgot, forget about the family aspect and going to mass and things like that. So the first thing you can do is obviously you can attend mass. You can go to the Easter vigil which is a beautiful service. And they're usually a bit longer because as I mentioned, there are a lot of sacraments and blessings and there are a lot of converts that go through RCIA who are welcomed into the church. And there's a lot of uh, baptized children receiving their confirmation. Um, but you can also do a daytime service, which are a little shorter, but still very beautiful. So personally, I am going to a daytime service for Easter, but there's a procession that follows afterwards, a Eucharistic procession that I am so excited about. The second thing you can do is you can fulfill your Easter duty and receive Holy Communion. This constitutes to being a practicing Catholic. Because very few Catholics actually receive Holy Communion, the Catholic Church made it a requirement to receive Jesus Christ truly present in the Eucharist at least once a year during the Easter season, like I said, in order to be a practicing Catholic. It is important that you go to confession first and do not receive Jesus Christ in a state of mortal sin that in itself is sacrilege, which is a grave sin. So don't do that. Go to confession first. Very important. If you have youngins, as in like little children, probably under the age of 10, you can set up a cute Easter activity for them, such as learning the rosary with jelly beans. In order to do this, you would just draw a rosary on a piece of paper, preferably enlarged so that they can, you know, see it, and then give them jelly beans to place on the rosary where the beads would be, and then give them blue for Hail Marys, red for Our Fathers, white for Glory Bees, or whatever colors you decide, of course. Another jelly bean activity you can do is to tell them the jelly bean prayer by Charles Dickerson. You can find it on Google, but I'll recite it for you guys just so you guys can hear it because I think this is just super, super cute. Okay, so this is the poem. Red is for the blood he gave. Green is for the grass he made. Yellow is for the sun so bright. Orange is for the edge of night. Black is for the sins we made. White is for the grace he gave. Purple is for his hour of sorrow. Pink is for our new tomorrow. An egg full of jelly beans, colorful and sweet, is a prayer, a promise, a loved one's treat. I just think that is so cute. I absolutely love it. And of course, there are many other fun Christian activities for you to do. You just need to scroll through Pinterest. Honestly, if you don't have a Pinterest account, what are you doing? You need one. <laughs> Um, so anyways, here's some other ideas you could do. You could get some happy Easter decor or send out some Easter cards. No rabbits. I'm just kidding. If you guys want to put rabbits on, that's fine. Um, you know, you guys can get a new plant for the garden. Usually lilies would be preferable, but you know, that works too. 
Pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy as a family by yourself or with friends. This is a great way to celebrate the Easter season. Give food to the poor, help at a soup kitchen, or give to a food pantry. I want to be clear, you don't have to do all of this on Easter. Like I said, Easter ends on Pentecost, so you have plenty of time throughout the Easter season to do all of this stuff. During the Easter season, you can make a holy hour every week. That is super amazing and really beneficial for your prior life. You can read The Imitation of Christ. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you know I am on my third time reading The Imitation of Christ. I might have a bit of an addiction, but it's fine. (laughs) The next thing you can do is you can join in the Eucharistic procession on the Feast of Corpus Christi which is an amazing, honestly, amazing procession. I highly suggest if you can go do it, it is beautiful. The next thing you can do is you can go on a pilgrimage to Catholic shrines or churches, make it, you know, a fun event, go with friends, go with family. Um, If you want to go by yourself, that's totally fine. Um, But you can make it into like a little event if that's uh, something you like to do. And the last thing I'm going to say is to spend time with family, go to brunch with them, visit them during the Easter season. It doesn't have to be specifically on Easter, but make it a point to visit them or video chat with them if you can't see them in person and remind them that they're loved and that you miss them. That is really important, especially in such a time of isolation and fear. We really need to be loved and just supported you know, and that's how you do that throughout family. So I think that's, that's really important. That's great. Thank you. I wanted to, uh, to mention something really quick. Yeah. This is something I didn't know. It's just a little piece of a trivia I wanted to put out there for everyone. Easter is actually the most important and oldest festival of the Christian church. So mm-hmm. I always assumed that maybe Christmas would be, but it's actually right. not Easter actually is. Oh. So the earliest recorded observance of an Easter celebration comes from the second century. Although a lot of religious scholars uh, believe that the commemoration of, of Jesus's resurrection probably occurred earlier. The first real recorded occurrence was in the second century. Wow. Um, the first recorded Christmas celebration was in Rome, and that was in 336 AD or the third century. So almost 100 years later before Christmas started to become celebrated. So very old traditions um, and festivities. That's really neat. I mean, just to know, I mean, we always knew that like our traditions went back, you know, but to know that Easter specifically, a it's the most important, you know, liturgical holiday we celebrate as Catholics, Christians. Um, But also to know that, like, I mean, it dates back so far, our celebrations and things of that nature. It's just really cool to kind of realize almost. I feel like a lot of people forget that side of it. It's that first hundred years that was the rocky hundred years. (laughs) And then after that, you know, you started to see traditions take place and you started to see the spread of this that went on for... uh, for centuries, you know? Oh yeah. No, it's amazing. So that's really neat to see the historical perspective of it for sure. Cause it shows you how we got to where we are today and how unchanged our traditions truly are. I'm sure there's some things that have changed, you know, um, especially since we've had the Vatican's and the councils, but 
I do believe to an extent, like we still completely hold true to all the roots of it. And so it's very cool to be participating in the mass that they did hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Right. For sure. It's absolutely beautiful. Well, that's awesome. Thanks, Todd. (laughs) Do you have anything you want to read to take us out? Yeah. So to wrap up here, I'm just going to read you guys a little Bible verse from Matthew 28, five through six. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. I love that Bible verse. I think it's beautiful. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here, Todd. This was a great podcast. Yeah, no problem. We'll do it again one day. Yeah, sounds great. I hope you guys all enjoyed this podcast and I will talk to you in the next one. God bless. questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with Amber Rose, The Religious Hippie. Please be sure and rate and review this podcast. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to like and follow The Religious Hippie on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or visit her official website at thereligioushippie.com. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. And be sure to visit metatomics.org to see our listings of other unique podcasts.